Coming up on Verse Course Verse, Spend. Who are we going to talk to tonight? Oh my god, 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 oh my god. That's next. If you don't like the road you're walking, they've one for yourself. You can't find the answers in the good book on the shelf. Under that wig of wisdom lies a simple truth. In times of trouble, I ask myself, what would Dolly do? Do, do, do. Welcome to Verse Course Verse. I am DL. With me is the slap happy Sven Knutson. Sven, how are you doing today? I am the slappiest of happiest today. Nothing's yeah. going to bring me down because we get to talk. Well, we I'm always happy when we get to talk music and share a drink, but well, not share a drink. But this is different. This is very different. This is, this is, I am, I am so stoked to talk to our guest today about all things music and life. Yeah. This is the second part of our little bassisodes that we're doing for all you bass fans out there and all you, uh, and everybody else you are allowed to listen to. You don't have to be a bass player just to listen to this. Yeah. We're both extremely excited. We're going to fanboy out probably pretty hardcore on this one because coming up in this episode, we have the Annie Clements. If you don't know who she is, quick Google search will rabbit hole you for weeks on <laughs> Some Marin Morris, some Sugarland, some Base of the Future. I mean, tons of shit, right? Oh, she's played with so many people. Yeah, we're we're gonna probably go through the list uh, briefly when we begin the interview with her. But she's not only an amazing bass player, she's an amazing singer. She writes songs. She's yeah. I don't know how she keeps track of all the different groups she's in and all the projects she's got going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super talented. And she seems like just the funnest person. I, I can't wait to meet her. I contacted her seeing if we could play a little bit of her stuff in an episode, uh, possibly get an interview. She immediately wrote back, said she'd love to do it. She's been amazing ever since. Just super friendly, super humble. The absolute best type of musician that you can talk to. I thought it was really cool. We were doing a little bit of chatter beforehand about what we kind of wanted and didn't want to talk about. And what I thought was really cool is she kind of steered us away from gear talk. Yeah. She wants to talk about the shit that we want to hear about. Because look, I know that there are gearheads out there, but you can look at a picture of her working and see her gear. Yeah. What she, what what I want to hear about is what it's like to tour. And there's like a million. What it was like to. Yeah. There's a million websites and forums where people will analyze every piece of gear you see on every tour. So it's out there. We don't yes. need to beat that dead horse. Yeah. But she's done everything you can freaking do as a musician. She's toured. She's played at Red Rocks. Sven, do you have the list in front of you of musicians that she's played on stage with? It's not. It's nothing big, you know. Alicia Keys. Nothing big. The B-52s, Cheap Trick, little teeny names, you know, like Mary Chapin Carpenter and John Prine, you know, those sort of kind of people that you may or may not know. Joe Walsh, Paul Rogers, David Gilmore, who I guess David Gilmore might be kind of somebody that a couple people know. Ronnie Wood. Albert Lee, Gary Moore. (laughs) Oh, man. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. I think you already said Amos Lee. Just a couple. 
<laughs> couple people. No big deal. And her discography that she's on, the one that I need to get my hands on, the specific vinyl that I want so bad that I, it, it's pretty expensive. But she was at the Amos Lee concert that was recorded for an album live, live at Red Rocks with the Colorado Symphony. I will talk about it in her interview, but man, it's freaking amazing. Yeah. Have you watched the video? I know that you have because you were the one that turned me on in the first place to Annie Clements. And that's something we'll talk more in, about in the interview, but have you watched her base of the future? I have. And then reverb did an article on it as well. I love that it has nothing to do really with a base of the, I mean, that's just the nickname for this contraption <laughs> that she has. It's just a way to play two instruments at once. Yeah, kind of. It's, it's a workflow <laughs> yeah. thing, which is, I think what's so cool about talking to somebody like Annie. And I'm so, I, I'm so excited for this is because those little workflow things, it just lets you do things quicker, change sounds quicker, learn songs quicker, mm -hmm. like all the things that if you're doing what she does, if you're a professional musician and you're on tour or you're a session musician, you don't usually have a lot of time to think through things. You need to have everything kind of at your fingertips, I think. I'd love to find out more about that process from her. One of the videos out there is like a DIY, shows you how to do it yourself, how to basically turn your bass or guitar or other into the bass of the future. Which for those of you that go watch the video to very, very much dumb it down, it's essentially a synth attached to a bass. With door hinges and 3M yeah. hooks. And she played it at the Grammys, right? This thing is like... yeah. Yeah, Home Depot project, and it was like Legit. on stage at the Grammys. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we're going to bring her in. Before we do that, we got to talk about what we're drinking tonight. Sven, what do you got? We got a region of the cooler. The cooler's so far away. Ninkasi Brewing. I like Ninkasi Brewing. They are an awesome brewery. They put out this, it's, I don't know, for anyone that cares, it's like three in the afternoon right now or something. So... <laughs> I wasn't ready to like shoot whiskey or hit like some imperial 10% alcohol yeah. by volume, you know. So yeah. this is actually a, it's it's only a four and a half percent beer, but oh. it's an IPA called Steady Orbit. So good job, Ninkasi, for making something that tastes awesome, but and is a little chill. Make me feel like an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> so I am drinking Sazerac in honor of Annie's hometown, and we're going to get into that. Uh, when we come back but we got to get back now because annie is in the waiting room waiting to come in and talk to us so we're going to take a break and we'll be right back I want to get this so you can like really see the fireplace. It's pretty amazing fireplace. Fireside chat. Yeah. Nice. With the P base and. Yeah, just trying to paint a picture for your listeners. Is this the Montana stay that you're at currently? Yes, it is. So I am here at the Montage Hotel in Big Sky, Montana. And my husband and I are the artists in residence for the ski season. <laughs> Which, awesome. um, which basically means that we were tasked to create a weekly artist series. And I'm having so much fun here because it's, wow. it basically feels like the culmination of all the different things that I do kind of like merged into one 
mm-hmm. one job. <laughs> so every week we bring in an artist who it's it's all just like friends of ours that we've known over the years that we've called up and be like, hey, do you want to come to the montage and have an incredible vacation and play a show? <laughs> and me and Thad will back you up. So that's what that's... I normally do is I back up artists and I have to learn mm-hmm. a lot of material in a very short amount of time. But then in addition to that, we are also kind of just jumping in and helping out when, you know, which is the world we live in now, an artist who's supposed to come and play like a local artist playing in the bar has COVID and can't come up. So like that now go down and just do our own thing. We'll go in and play the show that night. So I get to kind of flex my side piece front woman <laughs> muscle That's awesome. and then i'm also like organizing everybody's travel and cars and i have this like tour manager side of this whole oh, thing oh wow yeah so i'm in the hospitality business now here <laughs> here's the montage um how long will that last we got here in mid-january and we will be here until mid-april and it just worked out so perfectly that Marin's tour doesn't really get going until later in the summer. So I'll be flying mm-hmm. back and forth to do promo with her and rehearsals and, and things like that. But for the most part, I'm here just about every Thursday night for our shows and then just all the time anyway for anything else that comes up. And just generally living at a, a luxury resort. Yeah, it's like your work <laughs> no, is a vacation no, no. right now. This is awesome. But that's always my work. That's the thing. It's, this is what we do. We pack up a bag and we go get in a bus or on a plane and go wherever we go. And it always feels like a vacation. I don't take vacations except to go see my family, but not really consider that like a vacation. You know, me and my husband and Mary will actually be celebrating 11 years. Uh, Congratulations. After tomorrow. Thank you. Oh, wow. We've, we've never taken trips because that's all we do that's anyway. <laughs> this has to have How? like a slightly different pace than a tour, though, like just being residents yeah. at the yeah. resort. This is like the really embarrassing part where I tell you that I have not yet <laughs> skied one time here and I'm not a skier. And this whole experience is like, throwing uh, pearls to swine like <laughs> letting me just show up and like hey come stay at a luxury ski resort and don't ski for four months like <laughs> you may have to edit this part out people are just so angry but um my husband does ski fad ski so he gets out there and takes advantage of that aspect of what's happening here you have a young kid right exactly so it's not like you're just what up you there. What you don't see in this shot of my fireplace and the bass guitar is the hallway filled with toys, which we've <laughs> repurposed into a playroom, or the walk-in closet where her crib is, which is, that's her bedroom. So <laughs> we spend a lot of time chasing her around. And thankfully, my mother-in-law came with us on this journey. So she keeps an eye on her when we're working. And she's like the star of the whole show. She's everybody's favorite person. She's (laughs) just so fun and hilarious. Well, how cool is it that you get to you get to do this as a family? Uh, It's amazing. And I've been really spoiled in that regard. Thad and I toured together with Sugarland for seven years. And then you know, getting to do this. Yeah, it's amazing. It's Yeah. And now your kids have got to be close to the same age, yeah, right? They're 11 weeks apart. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that was, that was by design. That was, that was years in the making. <laughs> so this is my PSA. All of you women out there, women musicians, especially freeze your eggs. <laughs> and you can have the flexibility to have a child when it is uh, convenient for you. 
I started freezing my eggs years ago, knowing that in this line of work, I didn't know when I was going to be able to have a kid or if I was going to be working mm-hmm. with an artist that would facilitate that. And so Marin and I have always had a really open communication about like, how do we have families to do this? She knew I had, you know, one embryo after all, all the things we went through, we came away with one good embryo. She told us really early on in her pregnancy that she was pregnant. And I just said, hey, you think I should go ahead and, and do this? <laughs> and she was so cool. She was just like, well, first of all, you don't have to ask me for permission. And I was like, I feel like yeah. I do. <laughs> I don't know how this works, but she's just been incredible. So we did the transfer and it worked. So yeah, our kids were born 11 weeks apart. It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. I was going to ask in that regard, because you've been a musician your entire life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you find that you kind of made the family life the norm for you? How difficult is that when it's not somebody like a Marin Morris who's going to be that flexible? That's a big question and a big issue and a big reason why you don't see as many women in touring position. Mm. You know, when a guy is playing guitar in a band and his wife gets pregnant, most people don't ask, like, what are you going to do? You're going to stop touring? Yeah. No. <laughs> like, yeah. wife's going to figure it out while he's gone and it's going to be really hard and they're going to figure it out. That's why, you know, like I mentioned, I started freezing my eggs because it, I just didn't have a plan. And it was such a huge relief to at least know, like, no matter what happens, even if this doesn't work, I gave it my best shot and I did what I could to at least be able to not have a ton of regret about how I've done this. That's a side most people don't think about or know about. And that's really lovely to hear that. Like, hopefully that does become more the norm. One of my biggest questions leading up to today is like, I think work-life balance is a struggle for a lot of people. Industry specific, extra challenges layered on top of that when you're a musician that tours. So thank you so much for sharing Oh that yeah, little... I'm I'm really trying to to be super open about it because I want people to have the information. There is this other path <laughs> that is available. And and look, it's not cheap, it's not easy. I had to do all of my you have to go through all this shots to like get your body to yeah. produce all these eggs and do all this stuff. I did most of that on tour. And oh. I have many hilarious stories of like not realizing the bus is about to move and like Karina's about to give me the shot, like in the back lounge. I was like, no, wait. Oh, God. <laughs> all oh. kinds of, of hygiene. <laughs> and then with my band Side Piece, which is the old female country band of people that are side women, people are in my position. Luckily, the fiddle player had been a nurse for many years so we had a regular gig downtown on broadway you have to give yourself these shots like at the same time it's really hard to give yourself a shot yeah. in your ass i'm talking about uh, so <laughs> so kind we of were in, just in the blind in the dark yeah. you can't. oh yeah you can't do it so we would literally we'd play our set and then we just go into the ladies room at the redneck riviera and like hey are you do some shots in the bathroom like <laughs> so I have given myself and been given shots in many unique locations. (laughs) It got the job done, I have to say. I want to start from the beginning and kind of work our way up because one of the big things I wanted to talk to you about, because New Orleans is one of, if not my favorite city in America. No kidding. I love NOLA. And that's where you were raised, right? Yeah. As a musician or growing up there, that has to be one of, if not the 
best places to the best culture to be raised around. I just want to hear how you think that growing up there, and I also know that your your father played a lot of music too, how that helped mold you into the musician that you are. That's kind of everything, you know? I mm-hmm. So my dad still plays. Uh, he's a guitar player. His name's Cranston Clements, and he toured for much of my childhood. He was on the road with Dr. John a whole lot, and Boss Gags, and Maria Moldar, and <laughs> he played with the Neville Brothers, and but he was and is that first call guitar player in blues and rock down in New Orleans. And he's just a beast, but he's also like, he typifies the whole like New Orleans culture. He's just super laid back and he just has the joy of music. And it's kind of this double-edged sword down there where you can make incredible music and make a living and you kind of don't really have to leave the bubble of New Orleans. You know, you play Mm -hmm. that style of music and that is your thing. And that's definitely awesome. So for me, I I think I'm definitely sort of an anomaly having been raised in it and in this musical family and actually having moved away and kind of done the more mainstream type of thing. But the music has so informed my playing and my approach to the bass and I just my dad always tells me the story about how when I was a baby he would carry me around the house when I'd be crying and he would sing a second line to me which was and he was just like I've just you know needed to get the rhythm inside of you and my playing has bouncy syncopated I've just always gravitated towards that approach and I was a student at Berkeley in Boston and which is a decent musical school I guess it's fine it's, it's great actually it's a really great and I it, it that changed that changed the course of my life in many ways and in one of those ways being having to face people who just told you straight to your face like I don't like your playing and oh. that's I had a teacher say that to me like or just in a roundabout sort of way just you know I had my bouncy thing going he's like yeah I guess some people might like that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it was rough. <laughs> but that's baptism by fire throw you into the wolves. And some people love that I was from New Orleans and like I, you know, had just kind of a meat and potatoes approach and I knew all of these cover songs and could just go do any gig. And then some people were like, You need to be playing a six string bass and playing oh. fusion. Like, what are you doing with your life? But it gave me an opportunity to try so many different things and try so many different styles of music. I learned so many new styles. I learned so many things that I still use today. And I met so many people and I met my, my very best friend there. She was my roommate freshman year. Just I learned a lot from that experience for sure back to new orleans it is 100 percent. it's almost like another country it it's, totally is yeah in my opinion it's the most european city we have here mm-hmm. in this country it's so beautiful i'm in love with it i'm crazy about it it's been this way forever where you have songs that you hear on the radio in new orleans songs that are just unique to new orleans just mardi gras tunes and stuff like that and you just think everybody knows it and then yeah, you leave yeah. new orleans and you're like Hey, let's let's play Mardi Gras Mambo. And like, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it is. It's wild. But like George Porter from the Funky Meters, he's one of my favorite bass players. I actually did my final project at Berkeley on his playing, and you know, my dad 
called him up and you know so I got to interview him and wow. you know talk about his approach and his life and time so I mean that's the other thing about New Orleans is it is a small town everyone mm-hmm. who plays knows each other it's a really unique and a special place and being my father's daughter opened a tremendous amount of doors for me because people would just be like oh you know who's this chick like gonna play bass like oh that's Cranston's daughter oh okay cool oh yeah and it was just an instant entree into the world of, of music and he has always been so generous and patient, me and his other two sons. I have twin brothers who are 13 years younger than me, and they're professional musicians down there. That's what they do. Whatever we wanted, needed, or interested in, in regards to music, he was just so like, here it is. Let me teach this to you. Let me share this with you. Let me bring you up on stage, you know, even though this could be a total disaster. Like, this is yeah. what has to happen. He is the best. And truthfully, I mean, I can't say this enough, but I meet people all over the world who know him and love him. And they all say the same thing. It's just like, your dad's an amazing guitar player. He's also one of the kindest people I've met. And he helped me get through a really hard time. Wow. Time, yeah. He's just, he's that type of a, type of a person. He has a guitar project that you should check out. I think you'll really dig called Twangorama. I like it already. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> him and you've got Jimmy Robinson and Phil Degree. And then they have a rhythm section. And then they also have kind of different offshoots of it where they gather other guitar players together. And they basically just do these insane guitar sorcery things, but it's also always has an element of humor and just a lot of love. It's not, let me show something off that's crazy and it's going to blow your mind. Mm-hmm. It's some of that. So he does, he does stuff. He does plenty of stuff down on Bourbon Street. He's just playing. And, you know, he says to me, I could be hanging sheetrock. Or doing carpentry or laying bricks, mm-hmm. but every day I get to pick up the guitar and play. He's there to play. I'm that way too. You know, I've had this kind of wild ride of a career where you have the the high highs and the low lows. But I think what's been consistent for me is what he taught me. It's just like I can't believe I'm playing music. <laughs> it's did, it's so awesome. Did you ever do anything else, or were you always no? I'm a musician. That's what I am. As a young kid. I started taking piano lessons when I was four years old. And that was always like dad's kind of responsibility. My parents split up when I was really little, but luckily always have remained really great friends. Dad time was always music time. He would pick me up, take me to piano lessons, or, you know, if I was involved in a school play or something to that end. So I did a lot of singing, a lot of piano playing, but I got really interested in acting and musical theater as a kid. And I was always in the choir and in the school plays. For my 13th birthday, my dad gave me a bass. I was kind of burnt out on piano by that point. I've been playing it for eight years, you know, 12 years old. And I really thought maybe I'd just play guitar like him. So he got me a bass first just to learn the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it. It was just like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like, I get this and I can learn to play songs so quickly and I can play with other people, which is the whole point of playing a bass. And that's all I wanted to do was to have a band and sing and sing harmonies. And so it was just a really natural fit for me. I got more serious about it when I was 
like 15, 16. Yeah, that was basically it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, oh. Jokes. <laughs> I think your dad knew and he was trying to mold his own backup band. That's what I think. Well, oh, he totally. says that. He said he needed a bass player, oh. so <laughs> he made one from scratch. Good. And he did that. He did that to all of his children. He made a rhythm <laughs> section with Austin and Tyler, bass and drums. I mean, they yeah, play everything, but they play together all the time, too. So. I have a seven-year-old girl. And this has been by far, she usually is not very interested in the podcast, but these last couple of weeks studying your stuff, she has been fangirling out really? unbelievably. Yes. That's she so is sweet. She is so excited about this. So she's, yeah, she, well, she loves I'd love to meet work. her. Does she play? Does she sing? Is she interested? All she does is sing. She, uh, she, we're learning the piano right now, teaching her the piano and all she does is sing. Speaking of fanboying out, I actually want Sven to tell you the story of, cause he was the one that discovered you and turned, this is actually a four person podcast and he turned us all onto you. We're all fans now, but I kind of want Sven to tell the story of how he even found out about you. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. I come from an event event service background. I was an event manager um, and an operations manager for a convention center for like 17 years. And uh, here in Boise, Idaho, the first time I ever heard you was here in Boise, Idaho. I, it was probably a corporate gig. I don't remember what the gig was because it was at the convention center and we get a lot of those, but Marin was booked to play. So I'm going about my day. I happened to hop into the ballroom just to see how everything was going and it was during the scheduled rehearsal time. I was more on the catering side of things. So yeah. uh, just popped my head in to see how things were going with the setup. I think Middle was the song that you guys were rehearsing. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think Marin, Marin would be here this early. And kind of looking around the stage, and I'm like, that's the bass player singing. <laughs> and she's killing it up there. And I, I just, I, I hung back by the sound guys, just like watching two or three songs of the rehearsal. And you were, you were pretty much leading the rehearsal. Was this a full band or was it like an acoustic thing? I'm trying it to. It was a uh, full band with okay. MIDI synced lights and oh, yeah. background okay. video. And um, this was probably 2019 or 18. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I want to say that this was for some kind of like a golf tournament or something on ESPN oh. where they had some side function at our convention mm-hmm. center. That rings a bell. I'm not the band leader on Marin. We have an incredible band leader, David Cook, who's the, he's the musical director. And kind of the band leader point person is our drummer, Christian Pascal. I mean, and this would happen a lot on Sugarland too, where if Jennifer isn't going to be there or if Marin's not going to be there, somebody's got to sing lead. <laughs> So that everybody can mm-hmm. just get through the tunes a lot of the time. Yeah, um, I was so blown away. I had to <laughs> Google search Marin Morris Aww. band. Who's the bass player? Trying, and ever since then, I've I've slowly been kind of like watching to see if your name pops up on Very any cool. you know any other albums or any other groups or. Um, just kind of off and on, just like circling back. So when what would Dolly do? Your your yeah. side, feet. which is awesome, when, by the way. <laughs> when that single dropped, yeah. I was like, oh whoa, there's something new, and <laughs> we play that at we play that at our house, and and no uh, the, the kids sing along to the chorus. <laughs> what? Wow, I mean that just blows my mind. Truthfully, I you never know. I mean this is what I tell people all the time, especially 
when I'm playing a gig and you think nobody's listening, somebody's listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, Nobody yeah, you're like listening and playing your song, my song in your house with your kids. Like that means the world to me. And that's, that's really cool. I love and that. Even and at the rehearsal, someone's listening. Exactly. You never, yeah. know. <laughs> you never know. I mean, seriously, that's, that's big time. And uh, I also want to point out that a lot of people don't know this. If you're trying to get into the music industry, like on the administrative side of things, catering is such an entree into that world that people don't know about. So like catering company in Nashville called Dega Catering, and they do a lot of the tours. Folks in catering are such a close, intimate relationship with all of the artists and band and crew. And it's a great opportunity for any of your listeners. Like if you were interested in like, how I become a a music manager, I want to go on tour. Like, okay, well, here's what you can do. You can go sign up to do dressing room stock. I mean, it is not easy work, but when you can demonstrate to people like, wow, this person's really cool and responsible. I like hanging out with them. Maybe we could try them in a, you know, a PA type of position, production assistant type of thing. Like that is Mm -hmm. so many people's story starts working like backstage catering for shows. So. Absolutely. I feel like that's a little bit yours, kind isn't it, Spend? I was a music <laughs> performance major on saxophone <laughs> in college and um, eventually figured out that it was not the right. I, I'm also a bass player because oh, wow. everybody wanted a bass player, including this guy over here, David. That's right. um, <laughs> and so I was, I played guitar. I grew up playing violin. Same. My my mom was a piano teacher, so since I was three, rotating through instruments, trying to figure out like, well, what can I play that people need? I tried circling through the event world, so I went into like audio production, and I was you know roadie for a while, and then working like basically delivering audio systems for a while. Kind of navigated into the the catering side of things, just just trying every door I could. I mean, I was literally. I mean, I'll show you my phone. I was texting with Holly Williams today, who's the daughter of Hank Jr., you know, granddaughter of wow. Hank Williams. Literally texted with her. This is a text Whoa. that came in at like 1.30 today. It's a picture of something we ate in like 2014. <laughs> and she's like, what was this restaurant called? On tour with Jason Isbell, you and Chris and I with all the pies and corn cakes. And then I go through this whole text exchange where I think it's one place and I can tell you exactly like where we were sitting, what we ate. Mm, like, yeah. I can't tell you shit about what happened on stage <laughs> that night. I don't know. But I know we went to the Amish restaurant in Florida <laughs> near the venue with the weird lady's name, which I think it's like Ruth Eckhart. I don't know. But yeah, like <laughs> this, this, like this fried chicken and green beans from 2014. Like this is what we remember mm, and we talk yeah. about. When we reminisce, I cannot tell you enough what a critical piece of your day. I mean, that's a whole other conversation about taking care of yourself and mm. having the stamina to tour for years and years and years. It really is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And you have to pace yourself and be mindful of your food and drink and partying and all of that stuff. I travel a ton for my job and it is, it's really, really hard. I'm not being on a straight tour, but I travel a ton. It's not the best thing for me when I do go to NOLA because the, the, the food it's and the drinks, it's too, <laughs> yeah, it's too much. It's a situation. Oh. It is some of the best. We've been talking about your bass playing a lot. We haven't been talking as much about your backup vocals. One of the things that I've noticed a lot listening these last couple of weeks, your timing 
on your back of vocals is freaking impeccable. Do you train yourself to do things like that? Or is it just how often you practice with one specific person you just get used to? Because lead singers will change their inflections. They'll change when they break into one word. And mm-hmm. I, it all it seems like you know exactly where you need to be. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I've always just been so enamored with harmony singing from a very, very young age. I remember probably five or six years old, bouncing up and down on my mom's bed, watching my VHS of uh, Hard Day's Night, the Beatles movie. Oh, and Paul. Sing, yeah, and, but, and <laughs> singing along with, I think it was If I Fell. Or no, maybe it was I Should Have Known Better. So whenever they're on the mm. train, uh, yeah. they're singing a song. And I remember singing and realizing that I was singing another, I was singing something different that wasn't whatever the main thing was. And then my yeah. brain didn't know how to like necessarily make sense of it or articulate it. I remember that moment of just being like, oh, this is something else. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just being really intrigued by it. Any song that would come on, I would want to sing a harmony part and, and just as like crazy or wild as I could. I mean, I remember listening to Stevie Wonder. Um, Ribbon in the sky, and like coming up with the part right underneath him to just chase him throughout that whole run, and it's just like that's just stuff I do for fun, like as a kid, (laughs) just like let's have a good time. Here we go, you know, just trying to like just experimenting, and yeah, trying to very precisely match exactly what's happening. My husband, who you saw at the beginning of our our time together, uh, who was also my tech and roadie and uh, in charge of of my life, of Gary, Sad Baby, God bless him. He operates a recording studio. And so before we started dating, I was just his like resident background singer. That was really heavy artillery training, just listening to a vocalist and being in a situation in the studio where there's nowhere to hide and you mm. can hear everything and doing take after take where, you know, he's just like, no, no, listen to this. But she goes like this, you know, whatever this weird, like <laughs> weird phrasing that doesn't make sense or, you know, whatever is happening. Like that's not a real word or why would she put the syllable there? Like, you know, whatever. And just going toe to toe with that stuff was definitely really great training. Like my favorite song to sing harmony with Marin on right now is her song Once. It's off her first record. And we actually got to play it on the Grammys with Alicia Keys. Little plug there. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um what was that was like my third gig with her. Oh, <laughs> she really? looked at me and the new wow. guitar player after we played that on the Grammys. She's like pretty cool gig huh joking around like yeah not bad <laughs> anyway wow. um, that tune in particular has this huge outro ramp up and Marin typically does like one of two sort of vocal riffs i've gotten to the point now where i can catch it right as she's going into it it's like mm. some olympic thing that's happening yeah. <laughs> right, she's she gonna do this is she gonna do this <laughs> like you know just chase it right after um it's definitely its own 
art and science that I love. And then to combine it with playing while playing is, while playing. That's that's another you're listening so hard. I mean, that, that's a lot of mental juggling right there. You're because you have to listen so closely to be able to do something like at the get go of that vocal riff. No, is she going to do A or B? So you're listening so hard while you're also singing, while you're also playing an instrument. Yeah. That I think this is what I'm trying to get at here. Ear training, yes. um, and the importance of that for for upcoming musicians or praise. <laughs> I, I have to ask, and this That's is kind like of leading the only my... thing that matters. Definitely, my superpower and how I end up, you know, landing a lot of auditions and getting work is that if you do give me the record, I will learn the bass part exactly as it is performed on the record. And without you asking me, I will also learn all of these harmony parts. And then I show up and then people are just like, whoa, what is happening? This is so great. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's all That's all well and good. But I've definitely been in situations like, for instance, when I first started touring with Amos Lee, and this is me being very vulnerable, like you can show up, you can know all the songs exactly as they are on the album. And then Amos can just turn around in the middle of the show and just start playing something you've never once heard in your mm. entire life. And then all bets are off. Yeah. And having to find your footing, that's an entirely different muscle. And that took a lot for me to get to a point where I was comfortable doing that, especially as a bass player, Sven. Like, you know, guitar players and saxophone players, uh, you can like, <laughs> You know, just kind of feel your way through a song you've never heard before. Yeah, like you can hang back little, and yeah, try yeah. a few things. Yeah, yeah if the beat the time, and and but the bass is, you are the heartbeat. Like, yeah, there is no, nowhere to hide. Yeah. So I think just sort of inherent to the instrument is, and in my particular personality makeup, I always want to be the most prepared person in the room and that's at least what I know I can do. I know I can show up and I know the parts and then taking that and making the subtle tweaks. So for instance, how works with Marin, and I'll show you because I'm literally working on her right now. My notebook. She's got a new album that's about to drop. I won't, I won't show you the tunes. We're getting but... a sneak peek of, of a new album. No. I'm, I, but I will show you, and this is some Berkeley stuff. So her single just dropped is out called circle circles around this town. And my process for learning it, God bless our musical director, David Cook, he is able to get all of the stems off of the album. So I have the bass stems, nice. so I can listen mm -hmm. to it just as I've got all the BGV stems and he assigns, you know, all right, Annie's going to take this, you're going to do this. He'll also make a track that doesn't have the bass or my BGV part. So oh. I can play along. Now, this is like, don't get any big ideas, rest of the world. This is not how it normally works. Like, this is like, <laughs> this is living at the montage type of stuff that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't real life. This is normal. <laughs> anyway, my process for learning all of it is literally to transcribe it like I had to do Berkeley. And I don't have any sheet music. I love the Nashville number system. I really want to talk about it with you guys. One thing it doesn't really allow for is musical notation and these lines on this record are just so syncopated i don't know if you can see what i'm showing you but it's just like yeah. it is so wow busy and i love it i mean it's literally yeah. dotted and little tiny oh, yeah. 16th note rests and look and, yeah. i'm sitting here like one and a two and a, uh, <laughs> uh, like 
That's yeah. that's what it is. I have done this for every song on the new record because it's not just you're straight ahead. These are the chord changes and it's kind of basically this pattern. Like these lines, which I believe were played by Greg Kirsten, who producer, are very intentional and tell a story. I want to honor them as best as I can. And of course, as the tour progresses and things happen, like these songs are going to evolve and they probably sound totally different <laughs> by the time we get to the end of things. Yeah. But at the start, everybody shows up with as much of the album as true to form as possible. Wow. Yes, I have been sitting here for days just transcribing and getting it in my head and then putting wow. something like that together with my background vocals is it's definitely a lot of, of the, <laughs> yeah yeah pat the head rub the yeah, tummy it is it is bananas um, wow i know that we're we're not trying to do a ton of gear talk but i feel sure. like there's a door i have to at least stick my foot through <laughs> talking about the especially at the start of the tour you're trying to stay so true to the album there's times where it's not a bass guitar that's playing the bass lines. Yeah. It's a synth bass, you know, other. Is that kind of where this contraption that I've seen... You're referring to the, the Annie Clemens bass of the future? The bass of the, the future. The Annie Clemens bass <laughs> of the future, which I have watched how to make it. I'm just thinking that's genius because if not, you're going to have to stand near or behind a keyboard rig exactly um and we do still have a keyboard rig on marin although i don't know how much we'll be using it on this next tour because this next album is not track heavy at all which i'm actually really excited about but the last album she put out had tons of synth bass and that was Mm. the thought it's like look i'm not kind of like the typical bass player who's backed by the drum riser and do whatever like yeah part of my skill set is singing you know toe-to-toe harmonies and then also just like whoa there's a chick up there looking cool like what's going on like i mean it'd be kind of dumb to put that in the back in my opinion maybe that's maybe that's like bad no that's correct but it's very correct when her last album came out and there were like three or four tracks that had the synth bass but really only two that we were playing in the live show it would be so dumb to like move me to the back of the whole show so I could be next to a keyboard, A, or B, have this albatross keyboard right up front, stage left. Yeah. I'm trying to do my kicks, man. Like, <laughs> kick stuff over. Like, so, Thad and I came up with this concept of just putting the MIDI controller on the bass itself, which is not like rocket science. It's just solving a problem. And then I have the actual, you know, neck of the bass. For instance, the Bones, which was a huge song for her mm-hmm. over the past few years. The verses are on the synth bass and the choruses are on the bass. Mm-hmm. So it was just a really like natural opportunity for me to take that step and make that instrument and there's definitely plenty of people who are thoroughly disgusted with it (laughs) and that's okay (laughs) why is that like a traditional sort of thing or what i mean look and this is a whole other conversation where being a woman in this business i definitely get my share of people who are envious or whatever's going on and something like that is an easy way for someone to to kind of take a dig or but then like john mayer is super into it so you know, like, nice john mayer right. commenting on my instagram like you that's, know and yeah Don that's not Luz bad is texting me like <laughs> 
what's up with the face? Like, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of women in the industry, I do want to talk a little bit about side piece. That's ongoing, right? That's an ongoing. Yeah. If, are you able to get down there at all? Or is it on hiatus until? This is the whole beauty of this project and why we designed it this way was seeing that we're all in the same line of work playing for other artists. We're like, how can we have a project that can be our own project and that mm-hmm. we can kind of control our own destiny with, but also still work when somebody has to go play on a tour or do whatever. The band, it's mostly covers and we have some originals like what would Dolly do? Um, mm-hmm. But the idea was always, let's just have a cool band that's fun and we can play parties. And, you know, we had a really great thing going downtown Broadway in Nashville before the pandemic, which ended up spawning all these other all-female bands. It was really like... Awesome. It, it was really had a, a tremendous impact. So we do a lot of the the hockey game, like intermission shows, the, the Nashville nice. Predators. We the do Predators? Yeah, exactly. So that's <laughs> always really fun. And those are like, you play six tunes, you know? So like, if I can't be there, we have a whole Rolodex of other women who we know can show up and that's do, cool. do the gig. And that's, that's the whole point is like, we want to keep this going, even if, somebody can't be there it's y'all look like you have the most fun too like like it's some so of the fun. videos you have online uh yeah, uh, like, yeah. Like some of these your shows it's like the yeah. most fun show to go and watch ever i that's amazing well, thank you i appreciate that i mean that was a really i've never considered myself to be a front person or pursued being a front person and that project very inadvertently found me in the role of band leader just kind of being the person who okay we're playing a four-hour set which is what we play downtown Broadway three Mm -hmm. nights a week you map out the first three tunes and then after that you're just reading the room and taking requests it's like a chess game where you know it's six o'clock now By the time we get to like 9.45, I know the last three tunes of the night, so we don't want to play them before this time, but we're going to need yeah. X, Y, and Z. And just kind of navigating how you're going to get through it. I hope you don't see this uh, as offensive, but it kind of sounds like it's gigging bard band. Which I, I, feel like, I feel like that would really keep your chops up. Kind of going back to old school Absolutely. We're playing gigs at a bar well, sort of thing. That's kind of what I was sort of getting to. Like now here at the montage, I had a lot of people who were just like, why are you doing that? Like you're playing with Mary Morris. You're playing with blah, blah, blah. Like, why are you doing that? And one, great money. Two, <laughs> I knew that I was building something that was my own. And mm-hmm. then three, without even knowing it, going out on tour with Amos and him turning around and playing something I'd never heard before. That would shatter me at that point in time. What are you doing? We worked so hard to play on this album. And just, there's there's like 2,000 people there. Like, are you crazy? Yeah. You know, but having gone through that and then gone through the experience with Side Piece, it just sharpened me into this entirely new musician in so many ways that I had never anticipated being. And then we get into a situation yeah. where we're here at this resort and I'm totally comfortable to just get up in front of a bunch of strangers, no game plan, but Mm -hmm. they need to hear music right now. It's been so 
helpful to have that skill set. The whole thing was kind of an accident. I'd had a band before that, and the lead singer, we all parted ways, but we'd already signed up for this weekly gig at the Redneck Riviera. Um, <laughs> in Nashville, there's this whole concept, and this may exist in Boise and other places, of, of the artist showcase. And to me, it's just a great way to put a lot of pressure on yourself and have a disastrous show. And yeah, the way an artist yeah. showcase works is you spend all this time, like as an artist, working to make something to present to like a record label. But you're not at a point where like you have a consistent band or you don't have the funding for that. Leslie, why you're putting on the showcase. Unfortunately, inevitably, you get one rehearsal with like a typical Nashville band which would include me and you get one rehearsal and then you get to go play the most important show of your life and then the sound guy just doesn't give a crap and the whole thing is a disaster (laughs) so I started working with a couple artist friends of mine like you know what you know what we need to do we need to get a residency at a bar in Nashville where there's no pressure and we just get to have the experience of consistent playing and mm-hmm. not being terrified out of our minds or having everything writing on this one show. Yeah. So that was the process that we were in with this other band. And then when that band dissolved, it reformed a side piece. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we've committed to doing gigs. <laughs> Somebody's got to sing. And then it just became everyone going down the list, right? What do you know? What do you know? You know, it's a really great name for a band too, by the way. Thank you. I, <laughs> again, a rather divisive, divisive yeah. name in a lot of circles. Uh, I was on an airplane. Or maybe a little too sensitive these days. Yeah. I was on, I was on a flight and I mean, people will say you get your best ideas on flights. Cause like you have like extra oxygen that they pump in there and stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was, it literally was just like side piece. <laughs> And then another friend across the aisle was like, Ooh, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and I was like, now we're going to do it. One was like, that's amazing. Like, that's a terrible idea. And when we do play the hockey games, we have on, on a few occasions gotten, you know, tweets or seen tweets. I was like, this band that's playing is amazing. Do they know what their name means? Like, that's horrible. Like, you know? <laughs> but it's tongue in cheek. I mean, if, if you know. No, I think it's hilarious. You yeah. get it. I've taken up an hour of your time. I just have a couple more quick questions. And then oh, I'll let thank you. you. I love it. I love these types of conversations. I really good. It. One of the things that I just wanted to say is amazing. I found and listened to all the way through. And now I really am going to search for the vinyl because I want to hear it on vinyl is the Amos Lee live at Red Rocks uh, with the yeah. symphony. Holy crap. That concert. What I was it like say, to play that? I mean, I'll tell you, I, it's so funny. Um, Today on Instagram, I posted about playing on a session for Jennifer Nettles. Uh, she's a, a character on this HBO show called Righteous Gemstone. I played oh, yeah. track and sang. Yeah, so it's called Sassy on Sunday. So you have to go find oh, it. Oh, holy crap. Hysterical. That's me on bass and VGVs. So I, I got to play on this, this track. And somebody in my Instagram comments, a musician I actually play with a lot, was like, well, it took a long time, but you finally peaked. <laughs> you, know, you did it. And I almost wrote back to him. I, the peaking was Red Rocks with Amos Lee. I came off stage from that show. And I remember going back to the hotel room and just looking at myself in the mirror and just being like, I hope you enjoyed that because that's probably as good as it's going to be. 
that was a follow-up question was what do you think the best venue you've ever played was or or best show i mean i know that's a really hard question yeah I mean, it's really not. It's Red Rocks with Amy Curry. The orchestra, like, that's it. I've gotten to play so many incredible shows, so many mm-hmm. incredible things. And I have, it's like people say about their kids, I love them equally for different reasons. <laughs> and I truly do. I mean, I've, I've played gigs like with Anderson East where there were more people on stage than there were in the audience. And they've been mm-hmm. the best, most fun gigs of my life. But yeah, that Red Rocks show, with that mountain behind you, an orchestra behind you, just having this music blast through your being and then uh, out to 10,000 people. I call it being in the, in the zone. Every show that I play, I aspire to have one moment where I, I also call it like achieving liftoff, <laughs> where it's just like, I'm not thinking of anything. I'm just present. You know, all these drug things, I've never actually tried drugs. I don't have to because I get to, to do what I do <laughs> for a living. But if I did, I think it might be might be somewhat similar, but it's awesome. Wow. And that show was one of those shows. And I remember Jaron, his piano player, his solo on uh, Mission Bell, that song. Oh, my God. Like, it was just like, I got to be here for this. I got yeah. to be here for this moment. Um, there's a lot in here right now. I call it the hard drive. And well, I you're... have to literally, like, I'm about to learn 18 songs for my dear friend, Laura Bell Bundy, who will be here tomorrow. We're going to play on Thursday. And then I will delete them all oh. and make room for more songs. For... <laughs> do you write at all? Do you I not do. have time? Um, do you it's do? not something, again, like with the front woman thing that I had planned to do but I got into a season where I was writing a lot and I really enjoyed it I would like to do more of it I should make more time for it I do like writing in general I love writing blogs I love writing articles I love Mm. um, well like actual writing writing yeah and so that's another thing about the montage that I've gotten to do is I get to write a lot of copy you know on the artists that are coming and you know bios for people and things like that uh and I really enjoy that. It seems like you're in a place right now where the neurons would be spiking. You'd be yeah. writing. There's a lot going on, man. <laughs> I'm going to let you get back to your day, your study, all of that. Yeah. My dictation. I have one more question for you that is going to be a little bit difficult, I think, because I'm, I always have to ask at least like one pain in the ass question. Okay. Is there a musician that you have played with that people don't know about or don't listen to enough that should mm. like somebody that's blown your mind. That... Yeah. I mean, the, there are, there are many. the first automatic knee jerk reaction is just my friend, Megan Mullins inside piece. She mm. is such a brilliant. She's a fiddler. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's incredible. She's unbelievable. What's even more unbelievable about her is just how low key genuine doesn't give a crap about <laughs> everything that she's done. And I mean, she like lives in this house with chickens in her backyard. And like, she is just the raddest. I mean, she's like toured the world with Shania Twain and Shakira and the Jonas Brothers and played Saturday Night Live. Like she has done just wow. about everything you can do as a musician. But it's just not her in her nature to put a lot of stock in store as far as like this is who I am and this defines me 
And she was a person who gave me so many shots in the bathroom in the redneck room. Yeah, you know, oh, trying to get pregnant. She was my my shot giver. Um, she's on tour with Alabama right now. So, oh no, kidding! If anyone's going to see Alabama? Awesome. You gotta go. You gotta go see him. You can hear Megan just demolishing it. Anderson East is another one. I mean, a lot of people know who he is now, but mm-hmm. I was playing with him at the very beginning. The the showcase beginning. He's great. My dad. <laughs> Your dad. <laughs> yeah. That's, how about you? Who do I need to be listening to that I don't know about? Us. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm, I'll be totally honest with you. One thing that I've learned, because this is only our second season as a podcast, and Svend and our other friend, we've started playing again, and they turned their big time into production. I had always kind of written off more contemporary country. Sure. Until they told me, and I realized that these bands, like the Marin Morrises of the world, have probably the tightest bands that you're going to hear. It's well, it's so like the last really people actually that. playing instrument other than like YouTubers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, it, cool it, so I've been, I've been really into that rhythm sections, the backup vocals with the vocals. Yeah. You don't, like you said, you don't really hear that that much anymore. And it's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Well, thank you. Yeah. Right. Annie, thank you so much. You're amazing. You're such a, a beautiful person to talk to. This was a blast. Uh, I really appreciate that. I I love how honest and kind you are with talking to us. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thanks for thinking of me and taking the time. And uh, maybe I'll get to hear your daughter here one of these days, and we'll get to we'll get to hang. I'll okay. let her know. Okay. Please do. I would love that. <laughs> good well, have a good great luck on the and tour, and hopefully you. we get to see you in Nashville play at some point. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Annie. Annie Clements, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you heard, is she not one of the most lovable people you've ever heard talk? The excitement about what she does for a living just oozing, it's, uh, that interview left me so happy, and when I was re-editing it, it made me so happy, I've gotten to talk to her about a couple other things after, and I'm so happy, I'm taking my daughter to see Marin Morris in August, Uh, I think we're going to try to meet up so my daughter can meet her. I mean, if there is ever a role model for my daughter who really wants to get into music, she she loves it. Can't find a better one than that. AnnieClements.com, A-N-N-I-E-C-L-E-M-E-N-T-S. She has her own website, which is very cool. Shows her discography, everything she's got going on. At Annie Clements is her Instagram. You can follow her on there too. She's always got some cool stuff just a delight can't wait to meet her best of luck to her and her family and her husband with the tours with montana hopefully see him play sometime down the line in nashville or new orleans or one of those really cool cities firstcoursefirst.com at firstcoursefirstpod i mean you know we love you to death listeners we'll see you next time good night and good luck so